Welcome to Studio B, a music business educational episode for independent and emerging artists and stars on the rise. I'm your host, Sarah Scott, and in these educational episodes, we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the informative, the fun, the crazy, the wild, and the personal side of the music industry and the business side of things to help prepare you to have your most successful career as an artist or as a band or as an industry professional yourself. Or maybe you are listening as an audience member or as a fan or as someone who would love to get into the industry one day and you're just so curious about what goes on behind the scenes. What does it take to be an artist or in a band or in the industry? What goes on in the studio? What happens backstage? What goes into writing a song? What goes into an artist and a band's career? With these music business educational episodes, we talk about all of those aspects and of course, so much more with the one and only Andre Caden Black. So yes, in the spotlight this week is the very talented, very well-respected and really cool, great conversationalist, music producer, songwriter, and artist development consultant out of Toronto, Ontario. It is Andre Caden Black. Now, as you know, this is a part of a two-episode series discussing with Andre, artist development and building an artist team. But if you did just skip over the first episode, which, by the way, you should totally go back and listen to because it does tie into this episode quite well... Now, if you did listen to episode one and you know all about Andre already and all of his greatness, you can skip ahead about two-ish minutes or so, and then we get right on into the topic of building a team as an artist. Here is Andre's bio. So Andre Caden Black has over 20 years experience in the music industry. He has written for indie and major labels across Canada, Asia, and the U.S., including Sony, ATV, Warner, EMI, Atlantic Records, Curve Music, 21 Entertainment, and Arista BMG. He has also toured extensively across North America and Asia with artists such as Alicia Keys, One Republic, and Jason Mraz. Andre has been featured in Professional Sound Magazine, Canadian Musician, and has been invited to numerous major music conferences, including Canadian Music Week, North by Northeast, The Shot, and Toronto's Indie Week as a performer, panelist, and judge. He has recorded out of the most sought-after recording studios in the world, including Toronto's Revolution Recording, KMA Music in New York City, and the iconic Abbey Road Studios in London. Wow. Andre has also worked alongside countless award-winning talent, including the multi-platinum artist Fifi Dobson, Francesco Yates, and a Grammy award-winning talent agency Chris Smith Management for Walk Off the Earth, Vivian Hicks, and American Idol, and with members of Buck Cherry, Our Lady Peace, and Boston. And I feel like that is just touching the surface of what he has done and what he will do with the rest of his music career 
as that music producer, as that artist development coach, and as that songwriter. He is so passionate about what he does and about the industry, and you're going to hear all about it. Now, this is episode two, also known as part two, talking about building an artist team. We are just talking about the business side of things, not the music side. So we're talking about now how, okay, you're a little bit at the next level. You feel like you're making some waves. You may need a little bit of help here and there. Now what? Who do I need? When do I need it? How do I get them? And what are they going to do for me exactly? How do I pay them? Andre and I answer all of those questions for you. We discuss how building a team is proof that you are taking your career seriously as an indie artist. We talk about managers, bookers and agents, publicists and PR, social media managers and consultants, radio trackers and lawyers. And near the end, a few other kinds of professionals to bring onto your team. Once again, this is a pretty big episode. And well, I'm pretty darn excited about it. So let's get right on into it. All right, Andre, we're on the team building part, building an artist team. So we're at the next level of this artist's career. They're making waves now what? Just the business side of things. We're not going to talk about the music side of things here. So building a team is proof that these artists, they're taking their career seriously as an indie artist, as an emerging artist. And when you hire a team, when you hire a manager, a booker, a publicist, a PR person, this allows the artist to pay more attention to the music while the work activity is given to somebody else. But the big question is, when do these artists need to start building a team? There are a small number of key team members that they're going to want to focus on at the beginning of their business and at the beginning of their career. But being an independent artist, it doesn't mean they have to do everything by themselves. So in your opinion, Andre, when should artists start building a team? Let's start off with that question first. Yeah, that's a great question. And I get this asked all the time. I think it's very important for an artist to start building a team when they cannot handle the workload that is coming in from them for being an artist. So at the same time, like, you know, a lot of artists, you know, my good friend, Rick Barker, we were mentioning his podcast earlier. If you hear him talk about when you need a manager, a lot of these artists prematurely seek out help when they haven't really done the work that they're able to do. So first and foremost, I think it's really important to ask yourself as an artist, is now the right time for me to start, you know, giving away my percentages and start seeking help? Because if you're not making money, and if you're not bringing in some sort of an income, it's going to be very difficult to find anyone of quality to bring into your team to work for you, you know, for free or, you know, or just putting in their time. So I think it's very important that if you start, you know, bringing in some income, it might and, and the workload is getting too much. I think that is when you should start assembling a team that can range from anyone from a manager to a booking agent, like you mentioned before, admin, social media help, PR. Definitely. And we're going to share some of the most important roles an independent artist needs to fill in order to propel their journey towards their version of success. Now, the first one we're going to talk about, because a lot of artists this is the big one, the manager. A manager is someone you bring on to help grow your business when you've taken it to the highest point that you could possibly on your own. So when looking for a manager, when looking to hire someone, what should an artist look for and how should they approach somebody when they want someone to be their manager? 
This question is asked a lot, and I think I've heard two different types of answers here. So it's really important that you're hiring someone that you trust first and foremost. If you're getting good vibes from them, I think that's a good thing. If you're feeling a little weirded out about them, I always, I'm, you know, I'm very spiritual. So I always gauge my opinion when it comes down to gut feelings. So if you're having a good feeling about this person, I think first and foremost, you should be, you know, you should go for it. But at the same time, you know, you have to make sure that this person has experience and knows what they're doing in the industry, because if they don't, they can really, you know, mess things up for you in the music industry and in music business, if they don't know what they're doing. So in my opinion, it's good to find someone with some sort of a track record that you can look at and say, hey, you know, this person has had success in the past with this artist and this artist, or maybe they've in the in entertainment industry in another facet that they've had in a little bit more success. I'm not saying that, you know, every manager has to have a crazy resume when it comes to their history. But at the same time, I think it's very, 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 very important that they do have a good grasp and understanding about this industry, because like, you know, it's very, very different than every other industry out there. For sure. So if somebody is looking to ask someone to be their manager, how should they approach it? Should they have a business plan? Should they have an elevator pitch? How can they go about doing that? Well, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Well, first of all, I think if they're not approaching you, I think that's a good sign that maybe you might not need them. But if you were to approach a manager in that have a stance, I think it's a good idea to, you know, let them know how you're doing, how much money you're making in regards to how many plays you're getting online, how much income you're making with your merchandise, where you need help with and where you're thriving. So if this manager is able to fill in the holes that you're unable to make happen, I think that would probably be a good start to make sure that they're able to achieve the goals that you're unable to do by yourself to start anyway. So would you recommend for the artist to wait for a manager to approach them or for them to approach a manager? To be honest with you, I always tell artists this, if labels aren't knocking at your door, you shouldn't be shopping to them. Most labels, most management companies, they know what's happening in the scene. They know who's playing the circuits. And if you're anyone that has a buzz going on, you will be approached at some point. And if you aren't being approached by anybody, it might be a sign that you have to work harder promoting yourself within the scene, the local scene to be noticed by these managers that are, you know, going to these venues and, and checking out, you know, new and upcoming acts. That's really great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Now, bookers and agents. Now, I have to ask this for my own knowledge. Is there a difference between a booker and an agent? Well, there's a booking agent. I think agents are just people that work at different types of companies. Like there's management's there's management agencies, there's booking agencies, there's, I think uh, an agent is just another word for someone who works for a company that does something specific. Okay, that's what I thought. I was just so curious. I'm like, I've heard him call bookers, I've heard him call agents, I've heard him call booking agents. So just to clarify that now, with a booker or with an agent, just as you would with a manager, you got to make sure you got to do your due diligence before signing on with a talent agent, of course. Now, how can people look for a proper booking agent and what should they look for in a booking agent? Well, this goes back to our earlier conversation in regards to management. I think it's really a good idea to 
make sure that whoever is signing you and who's going to be working with you is authentically into what you're doing and has a good grasp and understanding about your brand and about your goals as an artist. Because if you're signing with a management company or an agency that has a different idea of where they should be taking you as an artist and your brand than you do, then that might be trouble in the future. So I think it's really important to make sure that they're on the same page in regards to your goals. Because I know I've seen a lot of instances where artists have been signed to these management companies and the management companies have a different idea in regards to branding or, you know, a plan. Whereas the artist is like, that's not really what I wanted for my career. For sure. So is there a directory? Is it kind of just word of mouth? How do people find bookers and agents and talent agencies? That is a big question that I get saying, I really need to find someone who can help me book shows, who can get me gigs. Where can people look for these people? A lot of these booking agencies, they're typically larger. It's very, very competitive. So it's very hard to get signed to these booking agencies. So in my opinion, I think a little bit of research online to know exactly which agencies are in your city. I think it'd be a good idea to contact them, maybe maybe meet them. I think going back to conferences are really important. This is a great way to meet ANRs and agents from booking agencies in person without some sort of a invitation. So you can approach any of these agents at these conferences, shake their hand, take their card, and then follow up with an email and hopefully book a showcase or a meeting so they can see what you're working with. A lot of artists just need, if they're ready to showcase um, for a major booking agency, then great. But just make sure that you're ready for that because if they come see you and you're not ready and you don't pull out a crowd, a big enough crowd, or your show isn't you know, as professional as they think it should be, then they're going to put you on the back burner for a little while and wait to see what happens with you in regards to development. So it's really important that like you, you know, you shoot your shot and you're ready for it because a lot of these agencies, they're far and few between, especially here in Toronto, where it's very abundant when it comes to music business, there aren't many booking agencies. So you have to make sure that when you do showcase for these agents, that you're ready to go. Very, very good advice right there. Now, Publicists and PR are also at these conferences. They're also at the music weeks. They're everywhere and anywhere also looking at talent themselves. Now, if you're going to hire a publicist, you got to make sure that you're giving them your product and your ideas at least four to six weeks out from your impact, your release, your tour start date. Why is this important to give them the details that far in advance? And uh, explain to us what the publicist and the PR person is going to do with that artist to elevate them to the next level with that information. So it's, it's important for the PR companies to get your release plans early because they need to reach out to these blogs and these online magazines because they are backed up and they have to have everything ready to go to confirmed months beforehand because of the sheer numbers that they're getting in regards to how many people are trying to get written up. So it's really important for them to have everything in order beforehand so they can actually you know, send it to the publications to get verified in regards to if they're going to do a write-up on you or not. Preparation is everything when it comes to PR. Leveling up in regards to what they can do with you, I think a lot of that has to do with online press. 
So we know if I Google you as an artist, how many Google pages are coming up? How many reviews are coming up? Online presence is very important. It's just one of the many assets you need as an artist. So, you know, being prevalent online, I think is a very important thing. And that's what a lot of these PR companies will help with when it comes to uh, your brand. For sure. So when an artist is looking to work with a publicist or a PR person, what should they send them? in that email or in that package in that four to six weeks? So what are the assets that they need to send that PR person? Well, I think every PR company is different and they focus on different things and they have their own way of doing things. And a lot of the time they will request certain things, but for the most part, they're going to ask for the normal stuff that you would send over. So like a press photo or at least a few press photos, a biography, so they can get an idea of what they're dealing with in regards to write-ups. I think they're going to ask you for a link to your uh, Spotify page or the single that you're trying to promote. Another big one too is music videos. If you have a really well done music video, these PR companies are a lot of the time will take that link and they'll send it to the blogs and they'll do a write up on you and then they'll just put your music video right there so it's on the article, which is looks great and it's easy for the reader to kind of just take a little audio visual tour of your music and it, it's fantastic. So you know, this goes back of why it's really important to have a great music video. Well, that is a big reason why instead, if you don't have a music video, they may just post your Spotify link there to the single that they're trying to promote or reviewing. I've had both sent to me the whole entire DSP list. And I've also had music videos sent to me. I've had it all sent to me and I don't mind either way, as long as it is easy for me to view, easy for me to get right then and there. I'm happy with that. Just let me hear the song. Let me know about the artist. And I'm good to go with that, of course. And I feel like when looking for PR, it comes down to once again, doing your research and your due diligence on who you want to work with. Is that correct? Absolutely. And that just actually segued me to actually just say this as well. There are a lot of PR agencies online that deal with fake streams, fake all sorts of like non-authentic ways of promoting music. So it's really important that you kind of have your ear to the ground. You talk to people who have used these platforms. You do your research and see, maybe go on Reddit forums and see experiences from other artists using these platforms to see if there's any feedback, whether it be good or bad, because the last thing you want is a PR company to start adding these fake Spotify spins and numbers because that does that never looks good for an artist at all. No, we definitely talked about that a little bit in the previous segment saying like, we know when you've bought followers or when you bought spins, because at a certain level in your career, if you have like 3 million spins, it looks a little bit suspicious. (laughs) Yeah, the spins are a big thing. Yeah, like over a million spins and like 100 monthly listeners. It just doesn't make sense. Or you go onto their Instagram page and they have like 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 followers and like one comment, you know, two comments. It's like... Okay, well, I I don't know how legitimate this is. Yep, definitely looked at that and been like, okay, okay. But we're going to talk about social media now. So looking for a social media manager slash consultant, I feel like I need one of these some days because I just have no idea what is going on with social media 90% of the time. And it's a beast on its own. So these people are going to take care of the beast on its own, social media management. So when an artist wants to work with a social media manager and a consultant, Of course, when they want to look for somebody, they got to do their due diligence, see who would work best with their brand. But how does an artist portray to that manager who's going to be getting all their passwords, posting on their 
Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, how do they portray the message to that manager or that consultant? This is what I want it to look like. This is how I want it to sound. And this is how I want it to look on my page. How can they talk to a social media manager? You know what? I I get what you're saying. And I do want to just push back on this question a little bit. Okay. I don't think the majority of artists need social media managers. I think that, I think that as an artist, this is something that you should be authentic with and go on there. I mean, there is going to be a point that if you do go viral and things get too much to handle, you can bring in a team. One of the artists, I remember talking with their manager, Johnny Orlando, he's got quite the following online and he didn't have a massive team. It was just him, his sister, that was him and his sister that were really just spending a lot of time on Instagram building and replying to these comments. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you're an artist and you've only got, you know, a few thousand or under X amount of followers and it's not, you know, you're able to handle it. I think that money is spent best somewhere else in regards to your career. I don't think you should be investing in a social media manager because these are things that the artist should be able to do on their own. And, you know, taking a couple of online courses and learning a little bit about ads and proper way of promoting yourself online to get some more followers or maybe certain ways of how to post or, or, you know, ways that you can improve interaction with fans, I think is a very important thing. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, artists just need to kind of step things up in their social media. A lot of these times, these artists are looking for managers because they don't want to do it because who wants to live on Instagram all day? Like no one really wants to, but that's just part of the work that you need to do as an artist and put in the time. I was speaking with an artist last night and she said, man, I just, social media, it just is so annoying and I don't like it, but it's just, I have to do it. And she always makes sure to comment or at least like every single comment or interaction the best that she can. And we actually got on this topic last night a little bit too. She's like, you can totally tell when someone doesn't do their own social media and it's really annoying. And I'm like, it kind of is. So I completely agree with that. I love that so much. Now, in your opinion, and this is a bit of a big question, but how do you feel about the rise of the TikTok star? Mm -hmm. Well, I think this goes back to our earlier conversation. I think at the end of the day, look, I I think a lot of artists need to start focusing more on their craft. I think these labels, I think it's not healthy for the industry from a songwriting perspective that they're chasing anyone with a great following. You know, I, I don't think that should be a key to a record deal or a single deal just because you have a great following. And I know why the labels do it. It's just a head start for them. But you know what? At the end of the day, if you have great music and you're able to go viral on TikTok to get more fo- fans and followers and more exposure, I'm always on the artist's side when it comes to anything that is benefiting them. What I'd like to say is just please don't let that take away from you building your skills in your craft, I think, which is happening, in my opinion, a lot of the time. So it is important, but I think what's more important is writing some really solid, solid songs. You get that by writing as many songs as possible with other people. And once you have that solid song, you get a solid stage show and you start really, really playing the circuit. And you will see that you will naturally gain fans from the buzz that you're going to start within the city. And then going back from our last talking about agents, that's when they'll start sniffing around and they're like, okay, great. Like this band or this artist, they can really put on a show. We can, we can actually 
tour this show and make some money. You know, at the end of the day, you just kind of have to pick and choose what angle you're going to take as an artist. But in regards to being a TikTok star, I think it's a recipe for a very short career in the music industry. And I, again, I don't want to, you know, if that's working for you and it's, then go for it. You know, I'm always on the side of the artist. What is your favorite social media platform to use? I love Instagram for several reasons, but for you, what is your favorite social media platform? That's funny. I was thinking about this a couple of days and I'm, I'm actually on Strava the most, which is really funny. And if our listeners don't know what Strava is, it's uh, as an app for athletes. Yep. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are you are you on Strava? I am on Strava. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that is my favorite app. So when it comes to social media, but I know what you're asking out of the big ones. My favorite, to be honest with you, I mean, like I'm still an Instagram guy. I think it caters more towards the arts. Facebook's a little bit more connectivity with friends and family. I feel like TikTok's a little bit more like you get a little bit more fun videos dancing and and it's just a little different. But for me, like I'm more of a visual person. So I really enjoy Instagram. Instagram is where it is at in my books. It is. I think it's the best one. And they're also thinking about putting a song on our Instagram profiles like MySpace. And I thought, you know what? You know how cool that would be for independent and emerging artists? Like just have their song right on their page. You don't have to click anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Instant. Boom. Here's my song. I thought it was so good for that. (laughs) I hope they do Do you remember how cool MySpace was? Like I didn't have MySpace, but I heard a lot of good things about it. (laughs) Oh, it was where it was at. Like you'd go on the page, you could kind of like design it the way you wanted to. Again, like you mentioned earlier, you could have a song playing, you know, to, it was very cool. You know, it was kind of like the introduction to the digital age. So it was, it was very cool as an artist. Love it. Well, we are going to talk about someone who is going to introduce somebody to radio, good old radio trackers. So fun fact, I did radio tracking for about seven months and it was quite the ride. And I have a question and I don't know exactly how it can be answered, but I got to ask, why are radio trackers so expensive? They're like 3000 to $6,000, if not more for a promotion package. I'm not trying to like bash them by any means, but why are they so expensive? You know what? You are completely right. They're very, very expensive. I don't know the facts of why they're expensive, but my guess would be is because they're very rare. And I think a radio is very hard to break through, to break into. I think those two reasons are big reasons why they are expensive. Now, radio, do we want to talk about radio a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about radio a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So look, radio has a lot of positive sides, but also a lot of negative sides. And I used to be a big hater, but at the end of the day, we just have to go over the facts. And at the end of the day, I'll say a few things about radio. Number one, it pays really well. Mm -hmm. You're going to get paid. If you can get some solid radio play, that is a great way to get paid as an artist, whether that's satellite radio or normal radio. It's great for the artist when it comes to financials compared to streaming, number one. Number two, the only thing is that if you're not at this level yet, radio do not break artists. Let me repeat that. The radio will never break an artist. For some reason, artists think they're going to break on the radio. The radio is the last stop when it comes to all of your accomplishments. Radio should be the very last thing. So after you've done, you've done well on YouTube, after you've done really well on Spotify and other streaming sources, that is at that point, radio should be able to picking you up. So any artists that are early on in their career, 
I would be very cautious with radio. That excludes college radio. I think college radio is a great outlet for young artists to get used to being interviewed, doing radio tours, and just getting their music out there, playing Frost Week shows, stuff like that. But major radio, it's a much bigger mountain to climb, and you might be better putting your resources in other places. As someone who has worked in radio full-time for over five and a half years, I can vouch for that. It's a very fast burn. And we're still waiting for that next single or we're waiting for something bigger or something better. But the song is great, but it's kind of a, I hate to say this, but a one hit wonder sometimes. That's not the case all the time, of course. But yeah, uh, radio, unfortunately, is not going to break an artist these days, in my right, opinion. Because, either. <laughs> right, because radio, uh, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but from what I've read, is that radio, it really is all about the commercials. Mm -hmm. So that's how they make money is their commercials. And how do you have people staying to hear the commercials? You have to play songs that they already know, that they're familiar with, that they want to hear. So it's that's kind of the philosophy around radio that I've read. They're not going to play a bunch of songs you don't know. So you're flipping the station looking for something that you do know. So that's why radio should be the last target in an artist's goal list. That's interesting that you say that because I have been told that myself, like it's all about the commercials. It's all about the ads because I do work in top 40 radio, of course, and that people just want to hear their favorite songs on the radio. But I've also heard from a lot of people that they love to hear new music kind of thrown in there once in a while too, because we get emails all the time. We get messages on Facebook all the time. If I hear one more Luke Combs song, I swear to God, I'm turning you off. And I'm like, <laughs> but the radio trackers to go back to that here, I have recommended to some new artists, if I know that they can do it to take a stab at radio themselves, it does save a ton of money so they can accomplish it on their own. So radio tracker at what point do you think that they should hire a radio tracker if they feel the need to do so? I think once they start getting low rotation on radio, it might be a good idea to start getting a radio tracker. For sure. You know, if you've already gotten low to medium, you know, I think it'd be great for a tracker to then expand that maybe nationally. If it's just in, you know, if you're just getting play in Ontario, maybe getting a radio tracker to maybe expand that or maybe get a radio tracker to maybe get that low medium rotation up to a high rotation at that. But at this, you know, but I don't think you should be hiring a radio tracker if you've never been on the radio. I think that's very, it's just financially just not a smart move. And also I'll say one more thing about radio. I don't know many people who listen to the radio anymore. The only time people really listen to the radio is in their cars. And even then a lot of people listen to Spotify in their car nowadays. So radio is something that I don't know how much exposure you're really going to get as a new artist on there. I know that it's financially a great way of going things, but if you're looking to gain popularity in regards to like, say, if you're a pop artist or someone who, you know, has a demographic who's younger, I just don't think a lot of young kids are tuning into, you know, your local radio station. I think they're all on Spotify or Apple music or, or stream. No, I agree with that because even I listen to Spotify in my car. So <laughs> I, I, I get that. Probably in, in a I don't remember the last time I listened to the radio and I'm in the industry. Maybe in, in an Uber, maybe. But even in Ubers, they play Spotify now, you know. So yeah, I don't know. They ask what you want to play and you're like, oh, let's do this. <laughs> At least all well, the Ubers I've been in anyway. So I got lucky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I'm not hating on radio nope. because, you know, I did a couple of interviews years ago and, and I was very aggressive in regards to like, you know, pushing other means of, you know, ex exposure. But, you know, at the same time, you just have to kind of do what's best for your business and your brand and your music, you know, and may maybe if you're an adult contemporary artist, maybe radio is the way to go. I don't know. You know, you'd have to look at your, your uh, demographic and make a educated decision.
No, I agree with that. And as someone who works in radio, I too am not bashing radio, but I also tell artists to do other things first. And I don't want to get fired for that. So we're going to end that there. (laughs) (laughs) So talking about the last key person here to help build an artist team, I don't know about this one. I haven't really talked about lawyers before. I'm not too familiar with them. And I know what they can do for an artist, of course, an entertainment lawyer, but a good lawyer is going to be really really, really expensive. So when should an artist start looking for a lawyer and what kind of things are the lawyer going to help an artist out with? Okay, great question. Typically, if an artist is too small, they're not at a level yet. You know, a lot of the times through this whole conversation, I've been like, you know, you can do it yourself. You can do it yourself. This is one thing you do not do yourself. When you start getting contracts coming in and people want to start working with you, Do not, especially if the contract is a serious contract, do not try and figure it out yourself. Take some money and invest it in a a lawyer that you can trust, that you feel has your best interest and has a great track record. I cannot stress this enough how many deals artists have signed that have they've been screwed over and the only thing they could that they could have done is hire a really proficient lawyer to look through the contract and let them know exactly what could potentially happen in every situation so yes i very much support artists in any facet in regards to their success if they're making deals or signing some sort of a contract for any situation, I think it's very important to have a lawyer that you trust in your back pocket that you can call and and send them send them the material to look over. So where can artists look for lawyers? You know, I think it's very important that they are an entertainment lawyer because our industry is much different than others. I use Patrick Leyland. He works for Chris Taylor's law firm in Toronto. That's a very big entertainment law firm. Patrick and I are very close friends. He was actually in my very first band I was in that I started in the music career, and which signed a big deal with Arista BMG, L.A. Reid in New York. But I trust him. There's many other lawyers. Sandra Shalinsky is another one I've worked with. He's the weekend's lawyer. He's, He's very good. There's many lawyers out there. You just have to go online, do your due diligence, and do your research. Also, word of mouth is very good as well. So talk to your peers in the industry and see who they've used good and bad. I would also recommend having a meeting with any lawyer before you decide to use them just so you can kind of get engaged on their energy and see if you resonate with their work ethic. With lawyers, as we discussed, they are very, very important, but contracts can be so confusing. We're not going to get into all the contracts right now, of course, but with a lawyer, what kind of contracts are they going to help out with with the artist at the very beginning of their career? Like I said, contracts are everywhere in this industry. I mean, like I am a record producer and artist development and every single artist that I develop or produce, I send them a detailed contract in regards to everything that's going to be happening. I'm not saying that you need a lawyer for that. Not many of my artists use lawyers because we have a very good rapport back and forth. And I really am honest and I am on the artist side in regards to their success. So, you know, it's not as intimidating as, say, a booking agency contract or a management contract or a label contract or, you know, some sort of a streaming contract, uh, whatever it is. So I think it's a really good idea to have a, a good lawyer in your back pocket, like I said before. Now, according to my research and from what I learned with Canada's Music Incubator, those are kind of the big 
key players that an independent or emerging artist is going to be looking for first to help propel their career and give them a little bit more success here and there, whatever that means to them, except maybe the social media manager slash consultant. From what we discussed, they can kind of do that by themselves if they feel that they can, they should. Now, as an artist grows, there are going to be many other kinds of professionals that they're going to bring onto their team, onto your team. What are some other noteworthy people that artists will be looking forward to in the future and should be looking forward towards in the future? You know, having a really solid group of of people that can back you up on stage, I think, is a very important thing. Having a really good bond with your band and them believing in you as an artist and going the extra mile and maybe like being there for the right reasons. I think that's uh, first and foremost what, what every artist needs. I think, you know, to start a team, you need a great band, you know, and then the rest will fall into place. I have artists that have constructed teams and they have a manager, they have the manager's assistant, and then they have their production team that that is more creative, that handles the songwriting and the production of everything. I've even seen people who have mental health helpers on their team. So when things get a little tough, they can get on a personal call with this person and talk about the stresses or the anxieties that you're that you're going through, you know? I mean, it's, I think it's very important to, you know, to make sure that you're covered. And I think every artist is different in regards to what their needs are. So it's hard to kind of pinpoint one or two things. You know, one artist might have a great following on social media, so they may not need someone to help with their social media. But on top of all of the team, I think it's very important to look at your fan base as a team. I think, I don't know if you remember this, Sarah, like street teams used to be really big in style, like back in the day when the emo music was a thing and, you know, getting out into the, you know, building these big street teams, you know, to help promote the band was just a thing. And I thought that was just so amazing when I saw that. So a team can look like anything you make it. So you know, a large team can be very valuable to you, but also a a small team, you know, it all depends on the trust that you have within the circle. And if every year you are reaching your goals with the team that you are working with, I think that's very important year end, you know, assessments of what you've been accomplishing through the year. I think it's very important to look back and say, okay, we did this, we did that. What could have gone better? What can we improve on? Things like that. For sure. That sounds like a really good, solid situation going on right there. Now, I didn't have this question in my notes, but I feel like it is very important as a part of the artist business side of things, but how do these people get paid? How can an artist expect to pay the manager, the booking agent, the publicist, the radio tracker, the lawyer? Because we talked about percentages before, and I have mentioned, and I have learned about like 10 to 15% or even up to 20% in some cases, how can an artist pay these people? What is the expectation and how do they go about doing it professionally? So a lot of managers will take a percentage of your overall earnings, which I think is the only way that a manager should be working. If you have a manager that wants to take a percentage of your overall earnings and also charge you a monthly rate, I think that might be a little bit of red flags there. I don't know any serious management companies that do that or managers that do that. I see some managers that don't have as much experience and they try to make some quick cash on artists and charge them a monthly rate. And you know what, if it works for you and you feel like it's fair, then great. But I would try to stay away from that because it should be commission-based if the manager is not doing anything for you to turn any sort of income, then I just, you know, I don't see a point of them being involved. And this goes back from even having a manager at all. If you're not making money, I think it's going to be very tough to find anyone of value to come on and help you if you're not making them any money. 
Totally. Now, back to you here. You have done a lot of roles in the industry, from my understanding. Is there a role that you've always wanted to try? You know, I really love public speaking. I really, really love educating young artists in regards to their career. I feel like I would like to explore more of that side of the business. It makes me feel really good helping artists and getting to the next level and giving them the information they need. And this has been something that I've been passionate about for the past five years four years, five years, and and just giving back because I was one of those young artists that really could have used a lot more, you know, a lot more people like myself to just help with decisions or help with guidance. Now that we're in a digital sort of situation, it's really easy to gain knowledge using YouTube or uh, online, you know, courses. The information is out there, not like it was when I was young. You had to trust who you knew. The best thing you had was a phone book, you know? So I think it's really important to just do your due diligence and go online and, and learn as much as you can, because there's just so much information out there now. It's almost impossible to not find the answer to a question that you're looking for. That's super cool. So I got to ask you here, what is some of the best advice that you have received throughout your career? And on top of that, what is some of the worst advice that you may have heard or that you have gotten throughout your career? One of the things that I mentioned earlier was not being so perfect at everything and just Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, being yourself and being expressive. I still stand by that. I think that is great advice. You know, more great advice is just really honing in on an instrument. If you don't know how to play an instrument, you better pick up one. And then once you master that instrument, pick up another one. And once you master that one, pick up another one. Because when you are, when a label or a bigger team is looking to, you know, bring someone on to their organization, they're going to look at you and they're going to look at a couple other artists that are very similar to you. And they're going to go the one with the multi-talent there. So like, you know, if you can act, if you can play multiple instruments and hold your own, if you're a songwriter, you want to be as many threats as possible when it comes to this competition that we call the music industry, because too many people think that their talent of their singing is just going to get them, you know, to the next level. But at the end of the day, you need to be amazing at everything. You need to make sure that you're sounding good. You're looking good. Make sure you're staying in shape. Make sure you're feeling healthy. You're eating right. You know, you're happy. Those are the positive things that I think an artist could do to get to the next level. In regards to negative advice, well, there's a lot of that going around. I'll tell you <laughs> that. I would say I've heard people, I try to stay away from all this advice as much as possible. A lot of managers and Industry people sometimes talk artists out of releasing certain singles or holding something back if it doesn't sound great. I think buying fake followers to fluff up your account could be pretty dangerous in regards to, you know, your image later on in your career. I think trying to be someone you're not. I see a lot of producers trying to follow trends, you know, and I feel like that is a very amateur thing as a producer to do. And all producers go through it, myself included. When I first started producing records, you know, years ago, there'd be a big Katy Perry song or something. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, this song, these songs are kind of like what's in style right now. Maybe we jump on this and try to ride the wave. I think that's taking away from authenticity from the artists. If someone's telling you to fit yourself in a box, that's probably the worst thing that you could uh, tell an artist to do. That's really cool. I really, really like that. Now, that's interesting that you mentioned that you have to be 
a multiple threat in this industry these days. And I completely agree, but it's so funny that maybe just a few years ago that if we saw like a singer acting, an actor starting to sing or do something else outside of what they are known for, quotation marks, they'd almost be like, why are they doing that? But now it's kind of like, if you don't do all of it, you're not going to really make it all that far. And that's kind of how it was very, very early on in the entertainment industry. So with that said, where do you kind of see the music business going and the industry going in the future? What is the direction you're kind of feeling for it? I think that, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that songs are getting shorter mm-hmm. and shorter and shorter. I remember when you listen to the radio or songs would be five minutes and that was a normal thing. And then I remember when songs would be like, you know, it'd be like 3.30. You have to hit 3.30. If you're over 3.30 or you're under 3.30, you know, it has to be right on. And people would celebrate when they when the song would be 3.30. And then it went down to 3. And now it's 2.45. And I think we're getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I think what's going to happen is the rise of popularity of TikTok. I think that singles are going to be released via TikTok. And they're going to be the same. They're going to be so short that they're going to be able to fit into a TikTok post. I think that's where we're going. I might be wrong, but I think that people, they have very short attention spans and they want to go, go, go and scroll, scroll, scroll. If they can get through a song in less than two minutes and move on with their life, I think that is something that's where the industry is going. Do I like it? Do I agree with it? Not a huge fan of that, but you know, I can't help where the industry goes and there's always a backlash too. So you know, once that gets to a point where people are like, you know, they've lost the art, it just takes one big artist that's so influential to change the game. I mean, we no one knows where the industry is going. But in my opinion, that's kind of where we're headed, it seems. That is so fascinating. Oh, my goodness, because I've almost viewed it in the opposite way. I've noticed people wanting to go back to songwriting and the true storytelling and the longer songs. And I know what you're saying about like the songs getting shorter and shorter and shorter because, yeah, I've seen it go down from the four minutes to three and a half minutes down to 245 now as well. And I still like the well-written, very storytelling kind of songs. Now, here's a question that I don't know if you will be able to answer this, but do you see right now in this current time going into the future, is there one particular artist who you think could change the trajectory of the music industry in the way that it may be possibly going? I think it's very difficult because in order to create artists this way, you need a long, long line of development. We had bands like Guns N' Roses that changed the, the, the game or Pearl Jam and Nirvana or these all these big artists that changed the game. The reason they changed the game is because they signed five, six album record deals. And through those deals, they were getting slowly, s- slowly developed into these super bands. You know what I mean? That, that were just amazing. We don't have that much anymore. So it's very difficult. You'll see a lot of new artists being fast food. They're in and out very quickly, especially compared to what it used to be like. I hope, I mean, I'm really into the 1975 right now. I really like a lot of what they're doing. I think, you know, I listen to their tracks and I'm a big fan of music from the UK. I listen to the New Music Express playlist every Friday. I'm a big fan. I listen to New Music Friday UK as well as the States. And I think a lot of stuff that's coming out of there is a little bit more organic. It always has been. You know, when I'm listening to the 1975, you know, it's, it's less samples, more real piano. 
and stuff like that. And they're just great songs. So they're a band to watch out for. Maybe they'll break. There's a few other artists that I have my eye on as well that could break at any moment. But, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a band that can bring us back to a little bit more of the traditional sense of songwriting, like you were mentioning earlier. I love the 1975. I feel like Matt Healy is just so funny in interviews too. And I've noticed something with their sound and it was with Snow Patrol as well. I listened to a documentary about Snow Patrol on Spotify a couple of years ago. And I noticed something with UK bands and European bands. They love to experiment on at least two albums. They'll do an album to kind of like quotation marks sell out to make money, but then they go right back to what they normally would do and have so many cool experimental sounds on their next album or maybe their album after that. But I've just noticed that they have like different themes on different albums for different purposes. I just love it. (laughs) I love that too. And I think you need to hit the nail on the head as well. Like it's very, very interesting. So interesting to listen to those guys. Now, before we wrap things up here, I got to ask you, who are you listening to right now? Who are some of your favorite bands? You mentioned the 1975, of course, love them, but who's on repeat on your Spotify? Well, let's just go down to my Spotify. Love it. So if anyone is interested, I am Mr. Caden Black on Spotify. I have many playlists. Every year I do, in my opinion, the best of 20, 20, 21, 22, 23, whatever it is. So my best of 2022, it's usually just cherry picked off of new releases. But let's just go down here. Fred, again, is killing it. I'm not big into EDM, but he is killing it. Loving the new Fifi Dobson track is pretty good. I'm a big fan of Tom McDonald. I know we're getting a little political there, but I'm a big fan of his. Manskin's new song, The Loneliness. Oh, the new Bush record, if you're looking for something heavy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. have been releasing some really cool stuff. The Killers released a really great record lately. Block Party, Wiz Khalifa, if you like hip-hop. Casey Musgraves is still one of my favorites. And Kanye West, my boy, obviously. I mean, Harry Styles, if you're into that kind of stuff. I love James Bay, Kendrick Lamar. There's just so many good things that came out this year. It's too many good things. Right? I feel like I don't even know where to start if someone asked me that question i'm so impressed (laughs) that you just listed off all those people i'm like i don't even know where to start (laughs) oh yeah there's just so much great music out there you know the kooks another great uk band that uh, that came out with a strong record this year liam gallagher came out with some really strong singles this year i was really impressed with him even dave girl played drums on one of his songs it was amazing father john misty has been doing great yeah that, yeah, that is so, that is just so darn cool right there. Now, before we do wrap things up here, I got two last questions. Is there anything else you want to mention or talk about today about artist development or maybe the music business as a whole? You know what? You know, I know we've mentioned this in this interview quite a bit, but I do want to close with saying just a few things to any artist that got this far in the podcast. Please get out there, write with as many other songwriters as possible go to Nashville, get your chops going, you know, get serious about songwriting, learn an instrument, pick up the guitar, take pride in being an artist, be real, speak from the heart. Don't be afraid of saying the wrong thing. I know cancel culture is big nowadays. Don't worry about those types of things. As an artist, you you should be able to say whatever you want, however you want in any way that you want to. That's what makes art so fucking beautiful. So please just don't, worry about what other people are thinking of you. Please just go out there and bear your soul and make the most beautiful art you possibly can. I felt the passion in that statement. I am going to run with that myself too, as an industry professional. So thank you for those 
words right there. Now, if anyone wants to know more about you and your career and everything that you've done, which as I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, we're just doing the tip of the iceberg today. Where can everybody find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, like I've got a website. It's AndreCadenBlack.com. You can also go on Instagram and just check out Andre Caden Black, A-N-D-R-E-K-A-D-E-N-B-L-A-C-K. I'm on Instagram. Check out my posts. I, I like to post stories often. And if you guys are feeling uh, resonating with my, my page, send me a little hello DM. You know, I'm always open to meeting new artists. And if you guys need any help, I'm always here to help. I'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. Well, we're going to wrap things up for today, Andre. And thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. Now, those are the six key players that artists and bands and some industry professionals are going to want to look into when they're building their team. Some other notable mentions here are also photographers, producers, graphic designers, mixing and mastering engineers, music distributors, music publishers, tour managers. Andre did touch on session players and making a great solid band and how that is very key. Also, check out a few videographers because visual content on all social platforms and on your website is so important these days. Now, some of these industry professionals may not be coming into an artist's career until a little bit later on, but it is always so, so good to start looking now, doing your research, and being prepared because the artists and industry listening right now, you have many successes ahead of you. Not only is it smart to be prepared, it looks good to be prepared. And also, it is going to save you a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of headaches, as we just discussed. So take a look at those professions as well and see how you can collaborate with them. So take a look now as to where you are in your career and evaluate from there. Go from there. And there you have it. There is part two of artist development and building a team. Part one was artist development. That podcast episode with Andre is available wherever you get your podcasts right now. And of course, you just listened to part two. (laughs) Talking all about building an artist's team for your Studio B music business educational episode. A massive, massive thank you going out to Andre Caden Black. Now, if you would like to know more about him and all that he has done, you can visit him on his website at www.andrecadenblack.com. And Caden is spelt with a K. Or you can follow him on Instagram or Twitter under his name as well as his handles. And also a reminder, if you haven't already, please check out episode one, part one with Andre talking about artist development. It is very valuable, very great information. And the conversation was just a heck of a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Sarah Scott. This has been your Studio B Music Business Educational episode for this week. Have a great rest of your day. 